I have a friend, against all odds, probably. I have a friend, we'll call him Rick. He does exist in real life, but we all have a friend named Rick. Uh, And Rick has this interesting element to his life. If you look at kind of, he's about 70 years old these days, but if you look at kind of his more youthful life, and you go to the region where he was uh, really plugged in and doing it for God, you'll, fun, you'll, you'll, real, you'll, you'll recognize that he actually planted a lot of the churches in that region. And he doesn't tell you this out front. You learn about this over time from those communities. They'll tell you like, oh, yeah, Rick uh, will help found this place. And it might be a Korean church, and Rick's not Korean, but it might be a Korean church. Or it might be like a local community church. Or it might be like 4,000 people on a weekend church. But they all kind of had this roots back to, oh yeah, Rick helped plant this thing, get it going, get this thing started. But interestingly enough, if you fast forward the tape and you look at kind of what he's up to in life these days, he's, he's pastoring. He's, he's more of like an interim, which is like when you bring somebody in because you're kind of like waiting for the next one person like to reveal themselves, I suppose. And his role has always been to help, I don't know how he would put this, to help communities close their doors, like end their service in a way. And so he, I don't know, that's got kind of like a Grim Reaper kind of image to it. I don't know if that's what he would... Uh, best relate with, but there's this poetic thing going on in his life, and these communities that he's helped kind of seed once upon a time, he's actually stepping into, and he's nurturing, he's, he's nurturing during a season of their decline, during a season of their death, perhaps. And interestingly enough, if you kind of keep a pulse on those communities, they tend to evoke more life elsewhere in the future. And I've seen this happen with him a number of times now that I think there's something beautiful that we might be overlooking. Because usually when there's like programs or churches around the world, we're kind of like, we got to keep the thing going. We got to keep that prayer group on Thursday mornings at 5 a.m. that no one goes to alive. Because so-and-so had that vision, and so now we do that. And it's like, yeah, that may have served its purpose, and we might get to release it now and see what life might emerge next. And that's what we're talking about today. In this month, this series of Seasons of the Soul, we're just talking about how do we examine the circumstances of our life, what's going on the relationships we have, our context for kingdom, what God is doing in the interworkings of our life, what's going on in the circumstance of my life, and how do I best cooperate with that curriculum in our becoming? A couple weeks ago, we talked about spring. We could probably talk more about spring uh, by the end of today. (laughs) Spring is the season when we just receive all of his goodness, all of his generous giving, 
right? You have that image of rainfall. You know, and we just saturate. We just settle into it, and we saturate into the full, that spring of his love and affection. And then we transition into summer, perhaps. And summer is this season of works, when works kind of integrate themselves in the story. But the way we're thinking about kind of the summer is less about, well, get on with it and go do some stuff, and more recognizing, hey, we're first human beings before we're ever human doings. Right? We're first humans being present to the, the love and affection of God. And we looked at the sunflower, kind of just witnessing the sunrise throughout the day. We're first humans being present to that smile. Behold the one beholding you and smiling. That's how we talked a little bit about it. And allowing our attention on him to produce all that fruit, all that work, that summer tends to just bring along with it. And now we transition into autumn. Uh, This is a season that begins to introduce kind of two things that are happening simultaneously that we generally isolate as, inter- as independent from one another, and we might even consider in conflict with each other. Because in autumn, what we're seeing is that something in the natural order is descending, declining, dying. Something is dying. But we also recognize that something's being seeded. For the f- something's being seeded, albeit hidden, but something's being seeded for the future. And we might not know what it is, and we might not see it, and we might not be able to actually grasp it, and we'll talk about that. But in autumn seasons of our life, this could be our work life, our career stuff, it could be relationships. But something is dying. Happy Sunday. But, this is, but in autumn season, something in, the, something in the circumstances of my life has a conclusive end to it. They're generally, I was, I was talking to my spiritual director, this is a bit ago, just telling her, hey, these are the circumstances of my everyday life. And, she, and I said, does that sound like anything? Should I be scared? Does that sound like anything? And she said, sounds like involuntary downward mobility. And I was like, <laughs> I was like what does it sound like? And I don't know if I want that. I, don't, I think that sounds bad. You know? I don't want my fidelity account. I don't want my kids 529 to have involuntary downward mobility. Like, I don't want that. Right? And so as humans, we have this resistance to the decline, to the natural order of something decaying. But in the spiritual life, there's something elegant and beautiful happening simultaneously. And we have a natural proclivity to kind of avoid it at all costs. Uh, We have a lot of big industries around disguising it, our aging, right? We're born, I mean, this is kind of like a, but we're born and then we're just starting to die a bit. It's in light of this. And it's kind of how well, it's almost, ooh, this could be it. It's the art of dying, right? That's what autumn is. There's an art to dying. And what does it mean 
to cooperate with the order of activity that God's naturally doing in things in life so that we're not holding on and grasping something that exists in a different season of time in life and was for a time and period but is no longer necessary for where we're going. It's not needed. It served its purpose. It's good. We value it. But what does it look like to release it? allowed to move on. This is how Thomas Merton puts it. He says, there is, in all visible things, a hidden wholeness. We should end there. (laughs) That is really well put, right? In all things, in all the things that I'm witnessing as in autumn seasons when the trees are turning and the leaves are falling on the ground and animals are starting to burrow, (laughs) And we start going inside our homes. That's what's visible. That's what we're seeing optically. And there's this wholeness, this completeness that is part of it that we might not be able to witness ourselves. It's kind of a paradox. It's placed kind of between the delight of summer. We all kind of love summer. Summertime and the feeling's easy. Uh, We could play that song sometime. Um, Place paradoxically between kind of that, the the summer season of delight, of enjoyment, of pleasure, of production even, and the inevitability of winter. Winter is coming. It's placed kind of between these two seemingly irreconcilable differences. And so we tend to get really disoriented ourselves in these moments because we don't exactly know what the equilibrium is. It's a little confusing. Some things are crystal clear in a moment in time, and then they become really, really unclear for prolonged periods (laughs) in autumn seasons. And we witness what it looks like for things in me to continue to grow, in needing to grow, in order to, needing to die in order to grow. Needing to die in order to grow. We talk about this liminal space. Uh, this is words, I mean, I, could, I should look up its like popularity because it's like merging again in the last few years. Um, the Latin is limen, L-I-M-E-N. It just means threshold. Like there's just a threshold. We all entered the doors, perhaps, over here. Some of us came in through the alley. That's allowed. <clears throat> but uh, that's a threshold. A doorway is a threshold, right? You're outside. You step through the doorway. You're inside. Right? It's a threshold. It's rather brief. Some thresholds are a lot longer, you know, like when we travel and we go through TSA. Like, everybody on that side of things in a threshold. And it's a longer period of time. Pregnancy's a threshold. Right? We've left the old thing, the old land, and we're just waiting for the next thing to settle. In the Israelite story, it's the desert. 
It's what was and is to come. That sounds a little bit like my Mondays in life. Like I'm just waiting. I'm waiting for the next thing to come and emerge. Um, Caleb Wilde talks about it this way. And this is, this is from his book, uh, Confessions of a Funeral Director, which is a good title. He says, sometimes when it seems like everything's falling apart or actually coming together, is what, is what he thinks about kind of even just the, uh, the way we approach death in the world. Sometimes when we, when we consider, hey, this thing's all falling apart on me. He sees, oh, something's coming together. Something's happening here, whether or not we can identify it or not. He talked about, this is poetic and fun, he talked about like making living rooms, like in people's homes, and then bringing the dying into the living room to confuse that space, right? Is this a living room? Is this a dying room? What exactly is happening here? That's fun, right? He's, on, he's tapped on to something. He's thinking, you know what? If, 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 if we think that this thing is conclusive and permanent, we'll relate with it differently. It invites us to see the impermanence as a good thing, to appreciate the impermanence of life, which is a good thing. Those moments where you're, you're thinking, oh, it's not always going to be this way. Those are usually moments when we're, like, trying to endure something. But they're also those moments of summer that we can't help but smile at times. Like, ah, this isn't always going to be this way either. There's no permanence to this story. It's a great expansion and inclusion. In the world, we try to avoid it, try to avoid kind of the conversation. We hide it, like just the dying from our eyes, because we just don't have a healthy relationship with it. But in a Christian perspective, we recognize that death is inevitability and a gift in some degree. If we're willing to cooperate with it. If we're willing to cooperate with it. As Christians, we trust that death is always seeding something. We might not know what it's seeding yet, but we do expect it's blossoming in the future. We trust that living is concealed somehow in dying. Once again, again, again. I wish the story was like, I just had to die to myself one time. That'd be great news. I mean, I'd sign up again, (laughs) you know? But it's like, what does it look like to die? Someone was asking a monk up in St. Benedict, say, what do you do here all day? (laughs) What exactly happens? What do you do here all day? He said, I just fall and I get back up. I fall and I get back up. I fall and I get back up and I fall. That's all I do all day. And I think, oh, man, that's... I feel like that's what I do. Constantly fall, die, get back up. Fall, die, get back up. Fall, die, get back up. 
It's why the rule of St. Benedict is to keep death daily before our eyes. That doesn't seem like the banner I want to put over my family, like our home. Uh, Keep death ever before your eyes. But what they're recognizing is an intrinsic beauty of it that we might otherwise miss. George MacDonald talks about it this way. He says, we die daily, and happy are those who daily come to life as well. In autumn season, we're holding these two things simultaneously. Everything to the, to the objectively around us looks like it's decaying. And something else is being seeded for the future. It's what the psalmist is reminding us of. And he asks us to count our days that we might gain a wise heart. It's in autumn seasons that wisdom occurs. And wisdom isn't something that we necessarily comprehend and like hear someone say once upon a time, and then we just now know it. Wisdom doesn't emerge that way. But what does it look like to count our days, to keep death ever before our eyes, to trust that, hey, we're seeding something. I don't even know what it looks like yet. But I know we're seeding it now, and it'll blossom another time. This is the season when we're drawing back from those spring wells. In spring, we're just kind of like receiving all of God's pleasure, delight, appreciation of us, and we're just filling up on that. In autumn seasons, we might be drawing from that well. Like, oh yeah, I remember. I remember. I remember when. And the consequence, the, the, the risk, perhaps, is, is if we avoid it, if we avoid the difficulty of death or the natural decay of things in our journey, that we begin to settle for what looks like artificial light or life. We begin to settle for something different, but it's a bit less colorful. It's a bit colorless. It's a bit less tasteful. It's a bit less, you know, taste less. We begin to settle for something less, not believing, not knowing, oh, there's another cycle to this season where something emerges that I may not have understood before. But I trust and believe that those seeds are being planted now. And we'll see where they emerge in the future. You know, it's not, these, these autumn seasons, they're, they're not something we, we are trying to understand. Autumn seasons are something we undergo. We're not trying to comprehend them. We're just looking to encounter them. And so we drink deeply the cup of sorrow and grief because something's being lost. And any time something's lost, grief is necessary. 
right? It could be a friend, friendship. It could be a pet. It could be a career. It could be a marriage. Something here is being lost. It could be your wallet. <laughs> Something here is being lost, and there's always a process of grief. And that's what we do in autumn is we witness it. We don't turn our eyes away. We witness the loss. And we believe, even when we don't believe, that God is up to much goodness in seeding something for my growth in the future. And so we yield to it. So we sing about surrendering. I yield to this. Lord, I, I give you permission to do this activity to its full in me, recognizing that it doesn't end here, doesn't end here, never ends here. That this cycle returns us to life. Um, I found this poem particularly potent. Uh, this is T.E. Hume. Maybe I'll end us here and then we can pray. Um, but he captures really well what it looks like to acknowledge, to appreciate the thing that's dying right in front of us and to, to broaden our perspective to encounter what I may not have seen before. But he says, he says, a touch of cold in the autumn night, I walked abroad and saw the ruddy moon lean over a hedge like a red-faced farmer. I did not stop to speak, but nodded. And round about where the wistful stars with bright faces like town children. I saw the red face of fire, I nodded. And as I turned, I got to see some bright faces of children, kind of indicative of that spring again, bursting forth again around us. Will you pray with me? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we, we ask that in autumn seasons or situations of our life that we might choose to fully participate in them, to witness them, to feel them, to taste them, as we return to you and your promises that we received in spring. Lord, we love you and we trust you. And it's in your son's holy and precious, precious name that we pray. Amen.